Our lesson this evening comes from the book of Jude, verses 17 through about verse 23, looking at some exhortations that we can learn from Jude. The word exhortation means to build up. We use that many times to talk about the idea of encouraging one another. And so that's what we're going to look at this evening, some encouragement we can find from Jude. We know if you're familiar with this, we've talked about Jude before, many times before, that Jude had originally intended to write to these individuals for an entirely different cause from which he did. But in verse 17, we find uh, some exhortations to the brethren there. And we begin in verse 17 by looking at what I uh, found here three aspects, at least for our first point, that is to remember, strengthen, and to pray. We'll begin by looking at verse 17 of Jude. Uh, here the Bible says, but, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you, beloved, beloved, the reference to fellow Christians. So he's talking directly to members of the Lord's body. He says, remember the words which were spoken. We think about that word, remember. You know, remember is that word is found, oh, how many times throughout the scripture, but remember in remembrance and bring to remembrance are important things we see throughout the Bible, bringing to person's memory things that have been taught previously. In fact, one of the purposes of, of the Holy Spirit to, was to bring back to their memory the things which Christ had taught while on the earth. And we find here in verse 17, it says, remember, the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted them to remember and be mindful of these things. If someone asks you to remember this, remember something, it's usually because it's something that's very important. And we think about how here what is important to them, or should be important to them, is, or are rather, the, the spoken words of the apostles. We look at John 16 and verse 13. Here the Bible says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now you think about this for a second. He will guide you into all truth, and he will, he will not speak on his own authority. We know as we find that context again, he was going to bring to the remembrance things which have been taught before. The idea of remembering things throughout the scriptures is vital for us as Christians. We also find there in verse 17, they are to continue in this inspired word of God. And by pointing out that the words they are to remember are the words of the apostles, uh, spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, and not something else. What, what they're to remember are not the ideas of men and things which they are to be loyal to, but the words of God. Spoken by the apostles. Peter warned of those who would mock them for doing so and putting emphasis on remembering the words of Christ, as we find in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, who, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were, were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. 
For the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. He's saying here they have forgotten some of these basic concepts. They have forgotten that God created all things, as he references there back in verse 4 and verse 5. He also references how they have forgotten how God destroyed the wicked not just once, but many times before. But here he, he is referencing the flood. As he says in verse 6, By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. We think about that word back in verse 3. Knowing, that, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking with their own lusts. Verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Uh, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the creation. Verse 5, sorry, verse 5. For this they willfully forget. They willfully forget. You know, I think many times when we think about those who have not been loyal to God, there are certain things that they willfully forget. And here we find they willfully forget that God not only is the creator of all things, but that God also is the one who punishes the wicked, as we find there in verses 5 and 6. So why is it important to remember the words such as these? Because we want to remember that God is creator of all, all things. He loves mankind, but he also is not afraid to punish the wicked, as we find there in verses 6 and 7. So they are to remember the words which they have heard. They also are encouraged to strengthen themselves. As you look at Jude, this time looking at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, we are to strengthen one another using God's word. Remember his promises and his mercy. You think about that phrase, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Building up, not tearing down. Building up. And growing stronger in the faith. If you look at Acts chapter 20, looking at verse 32, we find God's word is what brings true comfort and encouragement. Acts 20 verse 32 says, says So now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God, which is able to build you up, is a reference to encouragement, it's able to encourage one another. Sometimes when we think about how can we encourage people today, what can we possibly say, sometimes we just need to remind them what the Scripture says. When you remind them God has given us a way to overcome temptation, we remind them that God has done so much for us because He loves us, John 3, verse 16. We need to remind them this world is not all there is. Even though we may be going through various hardships, physically, in a physical way, health, or maybe mentally, whatever it may be, that those things will not last forever, that there is something waiting for us, the faithful, when this life is over. And that should be encouraging, knowing this is not all there is. So that when we're facing trials and hardships of various types, we remind people, look, don't get discouraged. This life is not all there is. The faithful, if you remain faithful, will include you. You get to go be with God and Christ and all the faithful one day. We get to put behind all those pains and agonies and various hardships, as the book of Revelation tells us. That God's walked away every tear from their eyes. There is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. Those former things have passed away. Thus, encouragement from God's Word. 
Life is temporary. Sometimes you think, I wish it would last longer. Sometimes you think, I wish it would come and end because I'm tired of the various hardships which we are dealing with. But God's word is the best encouragement of all. He says in verse 32, which is able to build you up. And not only that, he says, and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So we are to remember, we are to strengthen, and we are to pray. I've said it before, and I think I'll continue to say it. This is probably one of the most underused avenues and tools of the Christian is prayer. We are to pray. Looking at verse 20 of Jude, he says, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is praying as directed in the Scriptures. This is not praying that the Holy Spirit will, will work in our lives in some miraculous way, as some would like to construe that, but it's praying according to how we find in God's Word. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 uh, through 13, we have the model prayer. It's not how we have to say it, I'm say it, all those words exactly anytime we pray, but it is the model for how we should pray. A humble, selfless prayer to God. And so when we pray, we are to pray as we find, as we are directed in the scriptures. Prayer is encouraging and prevents man from losing heart. Looking at Luke chapter 18 and excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 8, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. I left one off the screen here. It says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means we pray all the time, that we have no hesitation to pray. You look at Luke 18, verse 1, which isn't on the screen. He says, and he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart. Pray without ceasing. So if you, want to if you don't want to lose heart, we should pray a lot more, shouldn't we? Pray to God. That is how the Christian communicates with God. We also are told in Ephesians 6 and verse 18 to be watchful in prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is that we are prayed, we, we pray and we are mindful of those things around us. We pray about what is around us, what's going on. We pray for one another. We pray for our country. We pray for our leaders of all types in various areas of our life. We pray for those individuals. Prayer also keeps us close to God. It keeps us close to God. Oftentimes in movies and things, and people are portrayed as having a trouble of marriage, one of the things they always put out there, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, is they, you hear one of them say, well, we don't talk anymore. We don't communicate anymore. Well, when you cut off the lines of communication, you don't really, what? Well, you cut off the lifeline, don't you? And we fail to communicate with God through prayer. We're doing the same thing. We're cutting off that lifeline. So we want to make sure that we communicate with God. It's how we remain close to, close to Him. It's at least one way how we remain close to God. Some other things we want to consider from Jude, as we are finding encouragement to do, and that is to stay in God's love and also to reach out to those around us. Let's first look at Jude this time looking at verse 21, as you think about staying in God's love. Jude verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. When you think about that phrase, what comes to your mind? 
Probably the idea, well, how do you keep yourself in love with God? You remain faithful to Him. Exactly. We remain faithful to God. If you want to keep yourself in the love of God, we remain faithful to Him. We remain loyal to His Word and to His commands. God's love for us has been shown numerous times, as we are reminded in 1 John 4 and verse 10. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. It's in His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, that He loved us and sent His Son to what? To pay the price for our sins. God loves mankind, but mankind does not always love God, do we? Because mankind sometimes fail to, we fail to communicate with God through prayer. We, we fail to strengthen ourselves from His Word, and we fail to just remember His words in general, as we talked about already. And when we do those things, we, when we fail to remember His Word, we fail to strengthen ourselves through His Word, and we fail to pray, we're not going to be in the love of God very long. We're going to find ourselves outside of God's love. Our love for God is shown by our obedience to Him. In 1 John 5 and verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. When we're tired, everything seems harder, doesn't it? Everything seems like a bigger inconvenience. When we don't feel 100%, when we're agitated, irritated about something, everything seems much, much harder. But God's commands, as you're reminded here, should not be something that falls into that category. His commandments are not burdensome. They are not something that are grievous to us. And when we think about it that way, we keep that in our minds, then we can have the proper attitude about God's Word, and we can remember that one of the ways we show our love for God is by our obedience to Him. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. It's hard to show God, based on this verse, that we love Him if we're disobedient, aren't we? It's hard to show that we love Him when we're not doing what He says. Just like it's hard to show your spouse you love them if you're unfaithful to them. Reach out to one another. There's another thing that Jude brings up here in verses 22 and 23. Reach out to one another. What's disheartening sometimes is some people don't want you to reach out. And it's hard and discouraging when you remind that some people want you just to leave them alone. And the Bible says on the day of judgment, they'll have to answer with that very same attitude. When we think about the parables going out, you know, the, the 90 to 9 that were safe and secure, and the one that was lost, and Christ paints the picture of the, of the shepherd going out and searching the hillside for that one that was lost and bringing them back. If the one that was lost said, I don't want to come back, you can't make me. I'm not doing it. They'd be left on the hillside, wouldn't they? Thus, those who are lost have to desire to be brought back. They have to desire to be found, right? Reach out to one another. Looking at Jude, this time verses 22 and 23, he says, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, talking about how some you want to be gentle with and some you have to be a little more firm with right that's what he's talking about 
but others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. I mean, some need a very quick and a very strong, you need to stop what you're doing right this second. A stronger hand. Those who err need someone to help them back. James 5, verse 19 and 20. Brethren, brethren, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. If you bring them back. Now we understand, as you've heard me say many times before, wanting to bring someone back and them coming back are two totally different things. Christ reminds us with the parable of the sower that not everybody wants to hear and obey and continue to obey for all their lives. You think about the parable of the sower, one out of four. Now, let's be honest. I wish it was that high today, don't you? That's 25%. One out of four obey. They hear, they obey, and they continue to obey, right? One out of four in the parable. And we understand that's just to show and remind us that not everybody's going to hear, obey, continue to obey for their entire lives. We, he recognizes and points out those who they have it, the word of God does not affect them anymore for various reasons. None of them good, right? When we think about James 5, verses 19 and 20. Brethren, if any one of you, if anyone among you wonders from the truth. You know, I think sometimes we fail to realize what it means to wonder from the truth. The most basic and then clear way to look at that is by looking at it and saying, anyone who stops doing what they should be doing to be obedient to God has wondered from the truth. Sometimes we look at verse 19 we say, well, they're not teaching a false doctrine. They're not doing something that is outrageously sinful. So they haven't really wondered from the truth. But isn't it true when you stop worshiping God as you should? When you stop doing the most basic things as a Christian? Be a wonder from the truth. See, it doesn't have to be some outrageous sin that people sometimes build up their minds. It's the idea that you just stop doing what you're supposed to be doing. You wonder from the truth. It doesn't matter who we are, where we are, how long we've been a member of the congregation, or how long we've been a, a, supposed to have been a Christian. When we stop doing what we're supposed to be doing according to God's word, we have wandered from the truth. Look at verse 19. If anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone turns him back. Now, if is the condition, right? It says if anyone wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, which means there's a possibility no one's going to turn them back. And we have to recognize it's not actually us turning them back. It's the truth of God's word that turns people back, right? I'm not convinced we have magical words that we can say just the right phrase and get people to come back. No, it's, you know, you need to remember what the Bible says about what you're doing. You consider it very, very carefully. And God's word is the one that brings people back. Verse 20 says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What we want to do, we want to reach out to one another. That's one of the reasons that sheet is back there, right? And I'm not naive. I'm sure it's not popular with everybody to have a list of names of those who are, are quote-unquote, out of service. But don't we need to be aware that there are those who we need to encourage? 
When we look at verse 19, what is that state? People wandering from the truth. So we want to make sure we come back and we do all we can for people to come back. We may not have the ability to convince someone to come back, but we can let them know, remind them, look, this is what God's word says and you need to make very sure you're actually doing it. Look at Galatians 6 and verse 1. He says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, notice he doesn't mention a specific thing. He doesn't say if he's overtaken in murder, sexual fornication. He just says any trespass, which is any sin, anything. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Spiritual here in the context, it seems he's talking about those who are loyal to God and are mindful of spiritual things. We'd say a serious mind, right? You don't send someone who hasn't been faithful very long back to talk to someone who hasn't been faithful for years. That's not recommended. And that's what he's talking about in verse 1. If a man is overtaken any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know it's, it's possible to go and try to talk to someone and also turn around and end up being led away from the truth. That happens when we tell them, you know what, you're right, you have a good point, what you're doing is just fine. What happens? You're now in that sin as well. If it's a trespass when you got there, it's a trespass when you leave. It doesn't change. God's word didn't change from the time you walked in to the time you walked out. We want to be those who encourage people to come back and not get caught up in their, in their sin. He says, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Tempted to do what? To do what they're doing, verse, verse, uh, verse 1 there. But we are to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. I mean, we don't go there with the thrill of saying, I'm going to just rip into this person. But as also James points out, sometimes what do we do? We go there with gentleness, or we can still go there with that firm hand, but it doesn't mean we enjoy it. You know, think about Matthew chapter 18, when Christ talks about the brother who sins against you, and you go to them first one-on-one, -on -one, right? Then you take with you one or two more, and then they will not hear you take, you know, take them before the church. You know why Christ says there towards the end of that chapter that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you? He wasn't talking about worship. He was pointing out how painful it is to talk to people in sin Reminding them that when they follow the steps that Christ, that God has put in place, that those things are, have God's approval. Where two or three gather together in that context for what purpose? Trying to bring a person to repentance. He says, I am there in the midst of them, right? His approval. It's not a joyous occasion, it's a very painful one. Some lessons for us today. Jude provides very important reminders. I say it's important because, one, first of all, I think there's many of those things that we forget. We forget certain aspects of God's Word. We forget the importance of allowing God's Word to be our top source of encouragement. And we forget to pray as we should. There is no magic number how many times we should pray a day, but we should pray a lot. Because you think about how many, how many things could we possibly pray about. Oh, there's a long list of things, right? There's probably many things we can pray about in our own families. 
in their own relationships with their friends, with their co-workers, with their own brethren. Even within the church, there are things we should pray about. And then we think about, well, what else could I possibly pray about? Friends, look at our world around us. There's plenty to pray about. We often need to be reminded about things. There are some things you may hear about all the time. There are some you may have forgotten or not considered in a very long time. In John 14, verse 15, we must remember the commandments of God always. If you love me, keep my commandments. And part of his commandments was, you need to pray. You need to use my word to encourage you. You need to remember my word. You need to consider others. And you need to remain faithful to me, right? Staying in his love, reaching out to the lost, all those things we've already mentioned this, this evening. There are many ways we can be encouraged and be encouragers. We all need encouragement from time to time, but we cannot always be those who need encouragement. We must be encouragers as well. We can't just say, well, I wish someone would encourage me. We never say, well, I want to encourage someone. It's very disturbing and very sad when we find people who just want you to encourage them, but they don't worry about encouraging anyone else. It's not really very loving, is it? Saying, encourage me, encourage me, encourage me. Well, I'm not worried about you, but you need to encourage me. That's not very loving. It's not very Christian. We want to be those who will, who will be encouraged and also be those who are willing to encourage others as well. We use God's word and Bible principles to encourage one another during the hardest of times. Bible principles. And I've talked about this before, and I know I'm not the only one who's had similar situations. We talked to individuals. We were having a Bible class for our food pantry. It's been a while now. And one of the ladies who was here said, well, you know, they're in this, my daughter's in this situation where her husband is abusing her, and she didn't go into detail. I said, well, you know, I would encourage them to seek counseling for that and try to remedy that. Because as bad as that is, what is God's one exception for divorce? It doesn't change, right? It doesn't mean what he's doing is okay, because it most definitely is not. Now try to encourage and give some, some advice and talk about the importance of seeking out a, a Christian counselor who's going to give some good advice and both being, you know, getting into more of that, and then she just rolled her eyes and was done. Because what she wanted to hear was, yeah, they can get divorced. Well, the Bible teaches. There are things to be done for safety and things for counseling, but the Bible does not teach anything but fornication being the only reason. Friends, we have to be those who we reminded people about things. We use Bible principles. And Bible principles don't change based on someone's situation. They still stay the same. God's word still stays the same. We want to be those who encourage others as well. We will use God's word and Bible principles to encourage one another during the most difficult times. Now, as we close this evening, and we want to end with at least one question here is, will you remember the word of God, his commands, and his warnings? Because while there are commands, while there are exhortations, there's a lot, a lot of warnings, weren't there? You think they had warnings in the days of Noah? Yeah. He didn't build the ark in a the day. They had warnings. 
You think Pharaoh had warnings back in Exodus? All the plagues and happened in one day. He had warnings. Sodom and Gomorrah, they had warnings. And the list goes on and on. They had warnings. But we want to be those who when we read God's word and we see warnings that we actually listen and take those things in careful consideration. God's word provides what we need spiritually and mentally. We only miss what we need when we forget God and, for, and his word. You only miss what you need when you forget God and his word. We think about those that we've come in contact with over the years. And maybe sometimes it's us, ourselves, who have allowed ourselves to forget some things. We have allowed ourselves to forget the encouragement we find from God's word. But as we're reminded in Jude, the first things he says is to remember the words of the apostles. They spoke the words they spoke of Christ, right? Remember the gospel. Remember the commands. To be those who allow God's word to be their encouragement. To be those who pray. To be those who strengthen themselves and build themselves up in his word. And to be those who reach out to one another. You know, when Jude wrote that letter... He says there he, he intended first to write them concerning their common salvation. But then he changed his tone and tells them what the letter's going to be about now. And it's about them contending earnestly for the faith. What was he doing? That whole letter was exhortation. Encouraging them to do what was right. Encouraging them to stay away from the wrong. Encouraging them to stay near to God. And friends, it does the same thing for us today as well. This evening, as you think about these things, if we can help you or encourage you in any way, we'd love to do so. Let's get it. We stand and sing the song that's been selected. <laughs> 